Do you ever feel like you're just banging your head against a wall? Well, the subjects of today's episode feel that way all the time. And that's the way they like it. Now, since the last two episodes have been focused on the wide open and generally treeless expanse of the Great Plains, it's time to head back into the woods. So today we're talking about woodpeckers. Of course, they primarily live in wooded habitats, but there's 239 species of woodpecker worldwide, and some have colonized grasslands where there's few trees and deserts where they rely on large cacti. South Africa's ground woodpecker and South America's Andean flicker have abandoned trees entirely and nest in holes in the ground. But aside from being fun to watch, woodpeckers provide some important ecological services. So let's head back to the woods and learn more about those headbanging birds, the woodpeckers. I'm your host, Tim the Nature Nerd O'Hara, and this is the Dispatches from the Forest podcast. Woodpeckers have been around for millions of years. Early ancestors of woodpeckers were flying around about 25 million years ago, although they may not have been drilling with their beaks or climbing up tree trunks at that time. Those abilities would evolve later. But even so, fossil remains of red-headed woodpeckers, one of the species I'll tell you more about later, dating back 2 million years have been found in Illinois, Virginia, and Florida. All woodpeckers share some common characteristics. Woodpeckers have relatively short, strong legs and zygodactyl feet, which means they have four toes, the middle two face forward, and the first, the hallux, and the fourth face backwards. This arrangement is what gives them the ability to walk vertically up tree trunks. In addition, the tails of woodpeckers are stiff, so when they perch on a vertical surface, the feet and the tail work together to provide support. Of course, the defining feature of woodpeckers is their strong bills that they use for drilling or drumming on trees. This bill has a chisel-like tip that's kept sharp by regularly pecking on wood. Many woodpeckers also have a barbed tongue that's used to spear insects. Most woodpeckers feed on insects or other invertebrates living under bark or in wood, and biologists think that they can hear the insects inside the wood, so that's how they know where to make a hole. But woodpeckers are actually very flexible in their diet. In addition to wood-dwelling invertebrates, woodpeckers have been known to eat bird eggs and nestlings, small rodents, lizards, fruit, nuts, and sap. They're frequent visitors to suet feeders, and some species feed on crustaceans, mollusks, or even carrion. From an ecological perspective, woodpeckers are important to the health of the forest. They help keep trees healthy by consuming wood-boring beetles and grubs and preventing mass infestation. One study found that woodpeckers can remove as much as 85% of invasive emerald ash borer larvae from individual ash trees. Woodpeckers are cavity-nesting birds. They make holes in the trunk or large branches of trees well away from the foliage. An area of rotten wood surrounded by soft timber is preferred for obvious reasons. It's easier to excavate and literally less of a headache. Desert-dwelling woodpeckers will excavate holes in large cacti. Other woodpecker species may dig holes in earthen banks or even termite mounds. This hole-making is not just important for the woodpeckers themselves, but for other animals too. 
Many other cavity-nesting birds, like tufted titmice, eastern bluebirds, wood ducks, and a variety of owls, can't make holes of their own, so they rely on woodpecker-created holes for nesting sites. Raccoons, possums, tree squirrels, and flying squirrels, which are endangered, by the way, also use these holes. Because of this, cavities are in high demand, and woodpeckers face competition for the nesting sites they excavate as soon as the holes become usable. Woodpeckers may aggressively harass potential competitors, and some species use other strategies. For example, the red-crowned woodpecker, a South American species, excavates its nest on the underside of a small branch, reducing the chances of a larger species taking over and expanding it. But woodpeckers don't just bang on trees looking for insects. Breeding and signaling behaviors of woodpeckers involves hammering using their bills, a behavior called drumming. In fact, foraging usually involves a more deliberate and much quieter digging and probing in wood rather than the loud hammering we tend to associate with woodpeckers. Drumming is a form of non-vocal communication used by woodpeckers and involves repeatedly and rapidly striking their bill on a hard surface. This is called a drum roll, and each species is unique in the number of beats, the length, and the cadence. After a pause, the drum roll is repeated, and again, even the length of the pause is unique to each species. Drumming is mainly a way of establishing territory, allowing them to recognize members of their own species, and it's also an important part of courtship rituals, basically equivalent to the song of many other birds, although woodpeckers do make various vocalizations too. But to make sure their drumming is heard far and wide, they intentionally choose a surface that provides as much volume as possible. Hollow trees work well, but metal surfaces like downspouts or, as I've personally witnessed, streetlights are even better. A good surface can let the drum roll be heard up to a half a mile away. Now, if you or I smacked our heads against things the way woodpeckers do, at best we'd have a headache. At worst, we'd give ourselves brain damage. But woodpeckers have several adaptations in the form of shock-absorbing mechanisms that protect them from waking up in a coma, unable to remember their name. First, they have a relatively small brain cavity, with little cerebral spinal fluid around it. This prevents the brain from moving back and forth when pecking. Second, their skull contains strong but spongy plate-like bones, primarily in the forehead and base of the skull, which literally act as shock absorbers. Third is something called the hyoid, or tongue bone. All jawed vertebrates, from fishes to felines, have a hyoid bone. This includes us humans. It's a small, horse-shaped bone that's located behind your lower jaw and helps you chew and swallow. But in woodpeckers, this bone is extra long. The hyoid bone of woodpeckers divides, passes on either side of the spinal column, and wraps around the brain case before ending in the right nostril cavity. This configuration acts as kind of a seatbelt for the brain. Computer simulations have shown that because of this elongated hyoid bone, about 99% of the energy generated in pecking is distributed through the bird's body. Only 1% goes to the brain. But the risks involved in repeatedly smashing your face into a tree is not just limited to the potential for traumatic brain injury. Pecking also causes the woodpecker's skull to heat up, which is part of the reason why they usually peck in short bursts 
with brief breaks in between. It gives their head time to cool off. In the millisecond before the beak makes contact with a surface, a thickened, nictitating membrane closes, protecting the eye from flying debris and preventing the retina from tearing. A woodpecker's nostrils are also protected. They're usually very narrow slits and are covered by special feathers. Okay, let's take a look at some specific species of woodpecker. We'll start with the smallest species in North America, the downy woodpecker. About the size of a sparrow, downy woodpeckers are frequent visitors to suet feeders in the winter. They're mainly black on their back with white spots on their wings and a white chest. Adult males have a red patch on the back of their head. They're primarily found in deciduous forests and range throughout most of the United States and Canada, with the exception of the desert southwest and northernmost tundra. In much of their range, downy woodpeckers are permanent residents, but extreme northern populations may partially migrate south, and those at higher elevations may move lower in the winter. Downy woodpeckers forage on trees. They tend to pick insects off the surface in the summer and dig deeper in the wood during the winter. About 75% of their diet is insects. In the 1950s and 1960s, downy woodpeckers fed heavily on the elm bark beetle, which was responsible for spreading Dutch elm disease. Nowadays, they're helping control the emerald ash borer. Farmers also have reason to like downy woodpeckers. Downy woodpeckers are a natural predator of the European corn borer, an invasive moth that costs the U.S. agricultural industry more than a billion dollars annually in crop losses and population control. The downy woodpecker's bill is smaller and finer tipped than that of other North American woodpeckers, more like forceps than a chisel. And that lets them pierce shallow insect tunnels and plant galls and pick small insects and eggs from leaves and stems. In the winter, males and females divide up where they look for food. Males feed more on small branches and weed stems, which are the most productive, and females feed on larger branches and trunks. Males actually prevent females from foraging in the more productive spots. When researchers removed males from a woodlot, females responded by moving to the smaller branches to feed. In addition to insects, downy woodpeckers also eat seeds and berries. Downy woodpeckers are frequent visitors to backyard suet, sunflower, and peanut feeders. Like most woodpeckers, downy woodpeckers nest in tree cavities, which are excavated by the nesting pair in a dead tree or a limb, a good reason to leave dead trees standing on your property if you can't. They'll also use tree cavities to roost in the winter. Also in winter, it's common for these small woodpeckers to join mixed-species flocks, which lets them spend less time watching for predators and gives them better success at finding food. Downy woodpeckers have a variety of vocalizations, including a short pick call and what's been called a rattle call. Downy woodpeckers also drum, and it's said that their drumming is slower than most North American species. But I gotta say, I would be hard-pressed to identify any woodpecker species by hearing just their drumming in the wild. Now, the next woodpecker species I want to talk about can also be seen at backyard suet feeders in the winter, the red-headed woodpecker. Aptly named, the red-headed woodpecker has a black back and wings, white chest, and a very conspicuous red head. They're about the same size as a blue jay, and males and females look identical. 
They can generally be found east of the Rocky Mountains from southern Canada to the Gulf Coast. Red-headed woodpeckers eat more plant material, like nuts, seeds, and berries, including the fruit of poison ivy, by the way, than downy woodpeckers do. About two-thirds of their diet is plant material, in fact. But for the other one-third, in addition to insects, red-headed woodpeckers will also eat small rodents and even the eggs of other birds. And red-headed woodpeckers are one of only four species of North American woodpecker that will cache food, and it's the only one known to cover the stored food with wood or bark. It hides insects and seeds in cracks in wood, under bark, in fence posts, or even under roof shingles. Grasshoppers are regularly stored alive, but wedged into crevices tightly so they can't escape. During the breeding season, a mature male red-headed woodpecker establishes a territory and begins calling and drumming to attract a mate. They make all kinds of chirps, cackles, and other raucous calls. The most common call is a shrill, hoarse, tachur call. The drumming of red-headed woodpeckers includes a two-part hammering sound, a staccato roll similar to the downy woodpeckers, with one-second bursts of 19 to 25 beats per second, repeated two to three times. Like I said, I'd have a hard time distinguishing that drumming from any other woodpecker's drumming. Now, once he's paired with a female, the relationship is generally monogamous, and the two will remain paired for multiple breeding seasons. Red-headed woodpeckers are fierce defenders of their territory. They're known to remove the eggs of other species, destroy other birds' nests, and even enter wood duck nesting boxes and puncture the duck eggs. Females choose the location of their new nesting cavity, indicating their choice by tapping on a site. This could be an existing cavity, the wintering cavity used by the male, the same cavity used the season before, or a new site in a fence post, a utility pole, or a dead tree, generally anywhere between 8 and 80 feet above the ground. If the chosen site doesn't already have a cavity, the pair will drill out a new one, with the male doing most of the work. The female lays 4 to 7 eggs in early May, which are incubated for 2 weeks. The female incubates the eggs during the day, and the male takes over at night. After hatching, both parents care for the young. The young are ready to fledge about a month after hatching. After the first brood leaves the nest, the mated pair may start a second brood, either in the same cavity or frequently a brand new one. They'll continue to care for the first brood for another couple of weeks, although not much help is really needed. Most of the fledglings will disperse on their own within a couple of weeks, but if a fledgling is still hanging around after a few weeks, the parents will force them to disperse by chasing them out of the territory. The common flicker is another medium-sized woodpecker that's native to most of North America, parts of Central America, Cuba, and the Cayman Islands. Northern populations of flickers are some of the few woodpeckers that migrate, moving to the southern part of their range in winter. Color and pattern-wise, flickers have a lot going on. Adults are brown with black bars on the wings. They have a necklace-like black patch on their upper breast, and the lower breast and belly are beige with black spots. Males have mustaches. Well, they have either a black or red mustache-like stripe at the base of their beak and a red bar at the nape of the neck. The tail is dark on top, transitioning to a white rump that's very conspicuous in flight. 
And flickers fall into subspecies that are divided into two groups, yellow-shafted flickers and red-shafted. Yellow-shafted flickers are yellow under their tails and wings and have yellow shafts on their primary feathers. Red-shafted flickers are red under the tail and wings and have red shafts on their primaries. Flickers are the only species of woodpecker in North America that frequently feeds on the ground, probing the soil or leaf litter for insects, which makes up most of their diet. A good reason not to rake up your leaves. Ants alone make up about 45% of the flicker's prey. They break into underground colonies by hammering the soil the way other woodpeckers drill into wood to get at the larva. Their tongues can extend up to two inches past the end of their bill. And in addition to eating ants, flickers exhibit a behavior known as anting, where they use the formic acid from the ants when preening to help keep themselves free of parasites. Flickers can catch insects in flight and will eat flies, butterflies, beetles, snails, and moths, including the previously mentioned corn borer moth. They've been observed breaking into cow patties to get at insects. Flickers will also eat a variety of seeds and berries. Like many woodpeckers, the flight of the flicker is undulating, a repeated cycle involving a quick succession of flaps followed by a pause, creating a sort of roller coaster-like effect. The flicker's call is described as a sustained laugh. The flicker's breeding habitat consists of forested areas across North and Central America. Like other woodpeckers, they're cavity nesters and typically nest in trees, but they'll use posts and birdhouses if appropriately sized and situated. They prefer to excavate their own home, but they'll also repair and reuse damaged and abandoned nests. It takes about one to two weeks for a mated pair to build the cavity. Their nest is really just some wood chips at the bottom of the cavity. A typical clutch consists of six to eight eggs. The flicker's eggs are the second largest of the North American woodpecker species, exceeded only by the pileated woodpeckers, which I'll tell you about next. The parents share incubation duties, which lasts about 11 to 12 days. Once the nestlings are about 17 days old, they begin clinging to the cavity wall rather than lying on the floor. They fledge about four weeks after hatching. The largest species of woodpecker in North America, and third largest in the world, is the pileated woodpecker. Roughly the size of a crow, pileated woodpeckers are mainly black with a red mohawk-like crest and a white line down the sides of the throat. Adult males have a red line that runs from the bill to the throat. In adult females, the line is black. Their bills can be up to two and a half inches long. The pileated woodpecker's breeding habitat is forested areas across Canada, the western and southeastern United States, and parts of the Pacific coast. In order to thrive, these birds need large tracts of mature trees or heavily wooded parks. They can inhabit smaller woodlots as long as they have a scattering of tall trees, but it's not their preferred habitat. Pileated woodpeckers eat many insects, but they especially like carpenter ants and wood-boring beetle larvae. Pileated woodpeckers chip out a large and roughly rectangular hole in trees while searching out insects, especially the aforementioned ant colonies, lapping up the ants with their long tongue. They may forage on or near the ground, especially around fallen dead trees and stumps, which can contain a variety of insect life. Like other woodpeckers, they'll also eat fruits, nuts, and berries. 
Male pileated woodpeckers excavate large cavities in dead trees for a nesting site. These woodpeckers make such large holes that they can actually cause smaller trees to break in half. The roost of a pileated woodpecker usually has more than one entrance hole. Round about April, the hole made by the male attracts a female for mating and raising the young. Average clutch size is four, and both parents incubate the eggs for 12 to 16 days. Like the other species I talked about, the young fledge in about a month. Once the brood is raised, the woodpeckers abandon the hole and don't use it the next year, but usually a new tenant, whether bird or mammal, will be more than happy to move into such spacious accommodations. Pileated woodpeckers are not migratory. The pair stays together in their territory year-round. They defend the territory in all seasons, but tolerate the occasional floater during the winter. Drumming is most common during courtship and to proclaim a territory. The pattern is typically a fairly slow, deep rolling that lasts about three seconds. Now, of course, the most famous pileated woodpecker is woody woodpecker. But as it turns out, pileated woodpeckers don't sound like this. <laughs> While woody is a pileated woodpecker in appearance, his call is actually based on a different woodpecker, the acorn woodpecker, which sounds like this. The call of the pileated woodpecker sounds like this. I'm pretty sure they're mocking me when I'm on my bike trying to get up a steep hill. And on that note, we come to the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. Please leave a like and follow or subscribe to the podcast. Doing that is entirely free, and it lets me know you care. If you like what I'm doing and you want to support future episodes, there's several ways you can do that. First, you can get yourself some dispatches from the Forest merch. Check out our merch store at cafepress.com forward slash dispatches from the forest. Maybe consider becoming a patron. You can do that by going to patreon.com forward slash dispatches from the forest. If you'd like to make a one-time donation, you can do that through PayPal. Dispatches from the forest at gmail.com is both my PayPal address and where you can email me if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes. For additional content, follow Dispatches from the Forest on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. I'm your host, Tim the Nature Nerd O'Hara, reminding you to go outside and get dirty. The Dispatches from the Forest podcast is a production of Dispatches from the Forest and may not be used or rebroadcast whole or in part without express written permission.